0: Muted. Can you hear yeah. me now? Right. that's great. Okay, oh. Minnie Mouse has left the building. <laughs> Thanks, Margalit. So, welcome everybody, and we're gonna try, um, try to do as much as we can with like a vast topic. Uh, passive is like one of my pet peeves because, um, you know. You know, a friend of mine once said to me, Hashem didn't want it to be this way. Hashem just wanted us to sweep out the tent. (laughs) I always loved that. So what happens, you know, in the days when it was just a tent or a little house, it was no big deal. And over many years, like the people who had a lot of stuff had a lot of staff, you know, and then we come to our day where we have a lot of stuff, and not a lot of staff, so, so we have this uh, this problem with Pesa. and I, I find it very um, very upsetting that people think this is like a charitable holiday, and people think it's horrible, and they don't want to Pesach is Pesach is coming, it's a big boogeyman and the boogie bear, and like let's you know freak out. In fact, my husband told me today one of the girls came over to one of the staff and said, I don't know why you're trying to calm us down. I think we're supposed to be freaking out. Everybody's freaking out. So why aren't you telling us to freak out? (laughs) Exactly the problem. Freaking out is not the thing. You're just supposed to sweep out the tent. You bear that in mind. So I'm going to try to deconstruct it for you and give you a little bit of a, a handle on it, whether you've made Pesach many times or it's your first Pesach, or if you're making Seder the first time, it's something that really has to be approached with Simcha. It's supposed to be a holiday. It's not, we're not supposed to be the slaves. We left slavery, that happened already. So with that in mind, I I wanna make it, one of one of the themes that I wanted to get across is from L'cha Dodi. We say Lachododi, Sof Ma'aseh right? The end result, right, is with prethinking, with forth thinking ahead, and of course that's talking about Shabbos, how Shabbos was the end of the creation, but that was, you know, one of the goals of the creation, and that's the phrase that really we need to have as our um, theme, okay? Because what does it mean? It means we all have to have a goal and then we have to work toward the goal. So what's the goal? The goal is not to be freaking out. The goal is to get to, we all get to the Seder on the same night, right? And you have to picture how you want that Seder night to look. And not talk about the whole hog, the whole hog, but it starts with the Seder, because the Seder is the crux of the matter. Now, many Seders have passed where I know for myself that you get to the Seder with your tongue hanging out, you're starving, you're exhausted, you just want to get through it so you can go to bed. This is just not, if if we have that sort of Seder. So, everything is difficult and we're exhausted, and, and that's not what we want. In order to, you know, I call this finding the joy in Pesach, we have to be, you know, that queen that sits down at the Seder and is able to participate in the Seder. And if that's the goal, right, the goal, you'll have to obviously, we'll have to get to the Seder without comments, but we all have to get to the Seder in a condition where we could be enjoying the holiday. So if we have that in mind, I have a few of my personal principles, okay? And we'll start with this one, right? The hype. Ignore the hype. It's terrible. Hi, Pisa. Hi, Pisa. How am I going to manage? What's going to be? Okay, so I call the, there's this person, I gave her a name, and her name is, The Pesach is a contest, Nudnik. And everybody knows her. She's the one who says to you, I did my bedroom. I did five bedrooms. I'm i turning over. It's the day after Purim, right? And she's turning over. It's like, you know, these people. So somebody was telling me how she sent her kids to the neighbors to play and the neighbors made them eat outside. And that was the day after Purim. So, you know, we all know those people. So what I say to you is, Ignore, ignore, ignore. And I really, uh, you know, jokes about Pesach, ignore them. You could laugh and then you could ignore them or you could not laugh and then ignore them. But the, the Pesach is a contest nudnik. So first of all, I have a principle. Never, ever, ever discuss your Pesach preparation with anyone ever, right? That's what. If someone comes to tell you right? I did this, I did this, I do Where like, What are you up to? Else? You just, you don't listen. You don't listen. You don't care. So <laughs> the truth of the matter is, it's not polite to say, <laughs> shut up. Who cares? It's not polite. So you could say, thank you for sharing, or that's interesting. Right, or you could say, everybody gets to Pesach their own way. Vatzlacha to you, uh, you know, sub- text, leave me alone. I really feel that women just do this terrible thing to each other. So like, just, just don't, just don't, don't get into those discussions. If you have, if you see them coming, disappear and just say, thank you for sharing. I'm not really interested. I I think that a lot of the tension that we feel is because there's a sort of crazy, Pesach is a contest like what one upmanship or where you hold it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay, so that's one of my one uh, one of my pet peeves. Pet peeve number two: spring cleaning. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. No one cares. No one cares if your underwear drawer is neat or not. No one cares. I assure. You. I assure you that your winter clothes will remain another few weeks before you switch. It's okay. It doesn't matter. You don't have to wash your curtains. You don't have to, you know, go crazy and change the slipcovers on it. You don't have to do that stuff. So get rid of anything extraneous. It's about chometz. I remember my father's father chasing him around after my mother saying. Dust is not chametz. Dust is not hummets. It's very hard because you get into the schmung of like, I've got ugly. You don't have to go crazy. It's not important. It's all about the hummets. So just forget about the spring cleaning, take it off of yourself and that's it. Just don't. Don't go there. Don't think about it. And if your neighbor the Pesach you know, tells you that you wash the curtains, you put in your mind, who cares? Who cares if you wash the curtains? I don't care. I can have my curtains dirty for another six months and it won't be stick. There's no chametz on my curtains, I assure you, because that'd be really weird, really, really weird. Okay, so number one, you ignore the hype. And number two, no spring cleaning, okay. Then we get to the nitty-gritty. How do we approach this situation? Okay, and that is where I talk about and I want to be very practical here. You have to plan Pesach. It's a wonderful holiday, it's complicated, and you have to know what you're getting into. So you have to say, let's say today, okay? Today we're, we're about two weeks out of Pesach, right? We have two weeks more. So what you have to do is Figure out the days that you have to work with, okay? And then you have to make a list. I'm a very big believer in lists and lists are fun because you can make a lot of things on the list and you cross them off and that is very satisfying. Make your list. Now you have to understand, you have to put on the list, shopping, you're supposed to get yourself a new dress, by the way, okay? Shopping can be a lot of fun. That's one of the fun jobs. Shopping for your children. If you have children, you have to shop for the children. You have to shop for food, and then you have to shop for food again. And there's the vegetable rod, and the meat rod, and the milk. Rot. You know, it's a lot of shopping. So you have to plan how much, and then you'll find out you only actually have four cleaning days left if you put in the shopping and the organizing, and then you have to add one whole day for what we call turning over. I'm not kidding. That, that takes a day. It takes a day. So you have to figure out how many actual cleaning days you have. And once you see that you really don't have so many cleaning days and you'd much rather be outside shopping, come on, right? Wouldn't you? So then you have to say, okay, how do I make the cleaning most effective, least stressful? If you have a helper, wonderful. If you don't have a helper, you have to keep it simple. You have to keep it simple. There's just, there's no need. There's no need to go through every shirt in your closet. There's no need to go through the, the, the drawer. There's no need for that. Unless you have mad children who put Cheerios in every drawer, which could happen, okay? And if you know that, then what you have to do is cut back in Cheerios as soon as poor heads. No more Cheerios. No more chamet stick and nash. There's a lot of nosh that's kidney out. Or pesa dick, like spiritual peso dick, if you're if you're Ashkenazi, you could still give that out. Give your kids potato chips. Give them bamba. Give them stuff that won't freak you out. No more Cheerios, no more soup nuts. Don't let them run around the house. So what you're ha- doing is you're taking, let's say, the bedrooms, the living room, and that stuff. Okay, whatever cleaning you have to do, do it fast. Do not linger. Do not look at the pictures. Do not get hung up on the this and on the It doesn't matter. You don't have to wash every pillow on your couch. You just have to make sure there's no crumbs in there. It doesn't take so long if you've got, God forbid someone was sick before Pesach. They would do Pesach in two days because that's all you really need. You just need to focus on the crumbs and the hummits. And here's another tip anything that can be washed with soap, wash it with soap. Soap neutralizes hummets. And that's the end of the problem. So you go to the room, let's say it's your bedroom. You look around, you see, okay, has anyone been eating in here? No. So you sweep it and you sponge it with soap. Done. Okay. Next, you go to the living room. You got a couch there, check the couch, move the pillows, check it out. It's just Hummets, you're looking for the hummets, you're not doing spring cleaning. Okay, and then you sweep the living room, you move the furniture because there's going to be Cheerios under the couch, you move the furniture, and then you do a sponge, get the soap there, no more hummets. If there's hummets, it's dead. And then you go to where you really need to be, and that's the kitchen. And you need a couple of days for the kitchen, but here's another thing. Every year that went by, I found that I needed less cabinets for Pesach. By the end of my Pesach-making career, I just left a lot of stuff in the Pesach boxes. Because who cares? Another cabinet I can sell and not clean. So you just look at the cabinet. Okay, there's no cereal in here. There's no soup nuts in here. Done. Tape it. Come Put a sign on it, and you're selling it. You only maybe need one cabinet for your Pesach stuff. The stuff you can keep, I don't know how big your kitchen is or how much storage you have, but try to keep it simple. Pesach is only a week in Israel, eight days in Hul. It's not so much. If you're lucky enough to have a big house and a Pesach kitchen, then obviously you can do this in a different way. But most of us, especially here in Israel, small apartments and they don't have so much space and you could just put the boxes there somewhere and just, you know, take out what you really need and don't get bent out of shape. So that's, you know, now now you're going to knock everything off your list because you're doing it really fast. Okay, you knock all the rooms and then number four principle. Okay, you have to eat. This is always something that we forget about. You have to sleep. So put that in your schedule because it's really a problem. People really think that it doesn't matter because you're going to grab. There's nothing to grab. It's herpesa. So that's what pizza was made for and falafel. That's what it's made for. It's made for herpesa. And if your kids eat every day, too bad. Better than nothing. So you're not going to sit and cook for them, but you're going to make sure You eat and you can also eat bread. This is why you have either a porch or an outdoor yard or you have disposable tablecloths. I think disposable tablecloths are one of the greatest creations and I'm not much of a conservationist and my feeling is I use my disposable tablecloths because I need to be sane. Sanity is important and God will fix the planet. That's how I look at it. You may disagree. But if you make these things easy on yourself, children don't care if they eat outside, they eat over a plastic table, they don't care. Wrap it up, throw it away, shalom. But don't forget to eat. One of the things I've always wondered about is like these projects that you have, all of a sudden I got to make Pesa. I am drowning just in the food and the laundry and the school. If you believe in harp, you have a lot of kids. I have a lot of kids. It's like, I can't get past feeding them and washing their clothes and now I have to do a whole new project of Pesach so i developed strategies for making it very simple I sold whatever I could tape it up mark the sold cabinets because the marking is really the most important part because if you didn't put it on your list for your you know when you sell it to the non-Jew it's not the problem the problem is if the non-Jew would ever walk into your house would they be able to identify their property, so you have to put a sign on those sold cabinets. You keep that very simple, okay. And I think that we're getting to the end of this story getting rid of the comments, everything okay. Now, so I was talking about finding your joy in Pesach. So, one of the things that's really the joy of Pesach is for little kids. If you have little kids, if you have big kids, if you have no kids. The point is that you need to figure out a way to make this holiday special for the people that you are holidaying with. And if that means not screaming at them because they, you know, left a crumb somewhere, you're going to sweep anyway. You're going to sponge it anyway. You're going to put the soap down. The point is, you know, what they, <laughs> what they used to say, like, dust is a chametz and children aren't carbon pesa. <laughs> You really have to remember that it's important to enjoy a lot of people their kids are stay stay home from school kids get a lot of time off because teachers are people too now you have these kids at home so in the best case scenario they may help you right you may make games like anyone who finds a cheerio gets a prize or whatever it is i'm not so creative with the games but you can you can find ways to entertain them and you can get them, you know, whatever it is that like entertains them, picks off coloring books or little, you know, things. And I don't like, you know, I never spent a lot of money on this stuff, but to keep them busy because if they're sitting coloring, they're not like getting in your way when you're doing stuff and you take them shopping. And if you want to really do it right, you take them to the pizza shop because then you have two things. You've given them an outing and you fed them you know, total gain. So you you have to put into the formula, the fun stuff. The fun stuff. You don't wanna go to this place of like, it's pure drudgery and you're miserable. You just, you know, do what you have to do. And don't, don't do the spring cleaning, everything will wait for you, the curtains and the underwear drawers and the switching the clothes, it will all wait till after Pesach, there's no reason to do it before Pesach, the only reason you do it before Pesach is because your neighbor did it, she did it Hanukkah time because she's a lunatic, so that doesn't matter to you, you just want to get rid of the crumbs and get to the Seder, so let's go on, what did I want to say, okay. Um. Okay, don't ever clean with toothbrushes and toothpicks. We're we're not OCD. It doesn't matter. If there's crevices and cracks, put soap much faster. Like the toothbrushes. You know, people really don't do it. It's not necessary. Soap would work just as well. Just put the soap there, please. You need to have a life is what I'm trying to say. You need to have a life. Pesach is not a suspension from life use a lot of disposables, right? Okay, now, because you're cutting down on the work time, you have more fun time, okay? If you're able, so this this year, I think the Seder night is Wednesday night. So this is, you know, when, when Shabbos Hagodol is very close, like if Shabbos Hagodol and then Sunday night is a Seder. So these things are very stressful, then you have to make a of Dicker Shabbos Hagodol and eat your pizza outside. This is like, these are stressful things. But in a year like this, You have to, you have a few days, you know, you you like take a day to like recover from your Shabbos and get rid of the Chomets and turn over. Turning over takes time. You have to leave everything that you want to kosher 24 hours before you kosher it. Okay, let's say your sink, if you want to kosher stainless steel sinks, you need to leave them for 24 hours before. So these things, you have that in mind or your microwave. You need to not use it with hot hummus, that is 24 hours. And then you spend the day, you kosher everything and you cover everything. I get lots of, you know, plastic tablecloths. That's how I cover my counters. I cut it to size, you know, and um, or you could use tinfoil, whatever it is, you know, whatever works for you. So just do that. Now we come to the cooking. Okay, because you've turned over, you hopefully have at least a day ahead the best scenario you have two days ahead and you're able to you know really turn attention to cooking so here here let me talk about peso cooking okay the first thing you have to do is collect all your gourmet recipes all of them and then throw them in the garbage all the gourmet recipes fancy Pesach three layer cakes they will never come out like in the picture never ever I tried them all throw those stupid recipes away now okay you get to your seder and you're freaking out you never made a seder before i'm gonna make a seder okay listen seder is not so terrible it's a shabbos meal with some additions shabbos meal with some additions so obviously you can't make noodle kogel if you're into that obviously you have to cut out the hummus stuff but a lot of stuff is just proteins and vegetables. It's right, it's okay. You make a usual fish, skip anything that's, you know, whatever glutinous comments, right? You know, you make your soup, same soup, right? Your chicken soup, whatever it is. If you brock, you can make knellach. That's a nice fun thing. I, I could send a lot of recipes on the chat or this. I have a whole bunch of good recipes, but the point that I'm trying to make is do not start experimenting for your Seda food make what you're used to making you make it well you make your fish you make your chicken and your meat you have to only thing that's important is important to know is that you can't uh serve roasted meat or chicken because we don't have the carbon pesa and we don't want to look like we're having the carbon pesa so that's why you could you know boil beef like a corned beef or something like that is good I have a very nice recipe for sauteed chicken with pineapple. It's it, it's just, a, you know, adjustments. You know, you make a little bit of vegetable dishes or hot things and, and that's it. And don't go crazy. And if you're a person who like wants the pachka, make sure you have extra day for that or pachka during colomoid. Don't do it to yourselves because besides the meal that you're making, you have to wash the lettuce and you have to do the carp There's a few other extras. It's just don't, I want to demystify. If I can make a list, I can put it on the chat. It's really, it's okay. Just don't go into that place because we all do that. And if you have guests, you want to impress. You don't need to impress anybody. It's just you know. By the time you get to the meal, people are even too tired to eat. So which brings me to something that I didn't say yet, and that is Eric Pesach. And you know, my principle is you must eat. When I was growing up, my mother used to give us lunch on Pesa, boiled eggs and mashed potatoes. And by the time the Seder meal came around, we were starving, starving. And when I got married, my mother in law showed me this new trick. She makes hamburgers. So I passed it along. I don't know if there's any vegetarians or vegans out there. Sorry, guys. But the best thing to eat, Pesach, Arab Pesach, is Flacix. Have meat, some liver, chicken. You will be. You will thank me for that tip. You will thank me for that because your whole family will be calmer when it gets to the seder. It's very important. At erev Pesach, by the way, what you need to do is find out your times ahead of time. Sof Remember when you have to finish eating chametz and when you have to get finish getting uh, the beer chametz. Once you know those times, you can time yourself. You know, and if your kids sleep through it, it's, it's okay. It doesn't matter. They can have hamburgers for lunch and it'll be, they'll be fine. There's nothing else to eat, Erev Pesach. Back in the day, we used to have a, um, a minhag that Erev Pesach, we would go out really early before the time of, and we'd go to the, you know, the non-Jewish grocery store and eat, you know, Drake's cakes with milk we called it the good breakfast. It was most familiar. them. Drake's cakes were kosher and it wasn't we had the best breakfast of the year. We waited for it the whole year. And today in Israel, you cannot find hummets two weeks before Pesach. There's no more hummets, you can't buy it. And if you have it around, it's gonna be like, you know, anyway, Arab Pesach, get rid of your hummets, go on, try to find time, make sure you find time for a nice Leishka meal. And if you're lucky, get a nap and you will enjoy your Seder. So that brings us to the Seder. Okay. Um, and again I say ma mach kula. What What is the Seder about? What, what is the point of the Seder? Okay, what, what are we doing there? And um <clears throat> the, the the Haggadah says, right, mitzvah to the sacre of It is a mitzvah to talk about it's right. Okay, that's, it's actually very interesting to me that telling the story at the Seder is the Jewish ritual, you know, in my experience, okay, I haven't done any, you know, scientific studies, but people who are not observant The last thing that they let go of is the Seder. Hanukkah is also a biggie. They suck us, the Seder. Sometimes they will have bread at the Seder, but they will have a Seder. And somehow the Seder is like a crucial, crucial Jewish ritual. Sound like that. Okay. It's a very, very um, basic part of our you know, religion. And the question is, what, what's actually going on there, right? So, first of all, the, the, the rabbis talk about the different things about remembering Itzias Mitzrayim and telling its Mitzrayim. What goes on at the Seder is Haggadah, that he got it to telling, And the, it's called Sipur. If you look at the, um, at the Haggadah, it says, mitzvah is saper B'Yetziah Mitzrayim. So it's a sipur. Now, the late great uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs has a very um, interesting discussion, not specifically about the Seder, but he does, he does go there. And he talks like, he says like this, really. Um, he quotes a man by the name of Bruce Feiler who published a best-selling book called Secrets of Happy Families. Very interesting. This is all like nothing to do with Judaism, right? But Rabbi Sachs like read everything. So he says that it's a work, the secrets of happy families of how do you use techniques for management in running a family? And he says, this is, at the end he makes an unexpected point. The single most important thing you can do for your family may be the simplest of all, develop a strong family narrative. Very interesting, right? He quotes a study from Emory University that the more children know about their family story, the stronger the sense of control over their lives, the higher their self-esteem and the more successfully their families function. It's fascinating, right? In other words, what you're doing when you're giving over the narrative is you're giving your child identity, identity. The child knows who I am, where I came from, what my family's about, what the goals of my people are about. This is very, very grounding. It's so interesting and it's it's um he makes a very interesting point. So um, uh, you know what, we'll skip it, you could you could look it up yourselves. The the uh, I wanted to show you in the screen share. You know what, maybe we'll just screen share for just a moment, because I opened these looking here for you. It's gone, sorry. All right, I thought I would put that up for you. In, in Shmos, in the story of the Tzias Mitzrayim, nine makots have happened, and the next makah is the, well, and the next makah is Makat b'chorot, and it's just about to end. They're just about to leave Mitzrayim. And Moshe Rabbeinu speaks to the Jewish people. And it's, it's an interesting thing where Rabbi Sachs points this out, and I think it's really very, very important. And he's talking, this is a um, he's talking about the new, the new month, right? We had it in Sh- Shur, Shabbos. And then he says, And here's an interesting thing. Like Moshe Rabbeinu is addressing the people now, and he could be talking about we are leaving slavery. We are going to be a free people. We're going to go to the promised land. And what does he say? Teach your children. Teach the next generations. This is the point. And then a little bit later on, right? Um, it's also in Shmos Yugimelchet. And. In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu was thinking not in the near future, we're going to leave Mitzrayim, what does this mean for us? He was thinking about how this scene is going to play all the generations ahead. In other words, the the narrative in the future, that's where he was going. It has to be something that we tell our children and they tell their children and their children stay there. This is why it's so central. It's such a central part of Jewish ritual because we are educating the next generation. We're teaching them where we come from, where they come from, what their history. That narrative, that narrative is the one that we're passing along, that's our past and our future. And oh, sorry. And there you have the uh, Moshe Rabbeinu telling everybody you have to be educators of your families, you have to be teachers, you have to give them over this legacy. And that's why it's a Haggadah. Rabbi Sachs quotes an interesting Chinese proverb, which is, uh, I thought it was cute. If you're planning for a year, plant rice. If you're planning for a decade, plant a tree. If you're planning for a century, educate a child. And it's interesting because it's all we've always been the people of the book. In, in centuries, when nobody was literate, Jewish people were literate. We were always learning. We were always teaching. We, that, is, that is the essence of Jewish education. And he quotes in another one of these books. And he's, this is a woman named Lisa Miller. And she wrote a book called The Spiritual Child. And, <clears throat> and it's not talking about any religion, just spirituality. And she makes the case, and she has studies, right, that parents have to teach their children spirituality. They have to encourage that, and children are natural, naturally spiritual. He's, he's. Uh, if you if you watch child, you know I have this memory of um, getting glasses for my youngest. She was very little, and I, you know, most of my kids were school age and they needed glasses. And this one, she was like five and a half, six, and. Um, She comes out of the glasses store, wearing glasses, the first time. Look at that tree. Look at that bird. It was like, you know, a brave new world. She had never actually been able to see things properly. I felt like a terrible mother that I hadn't done it earlier. But it was, you see, a child has that sense of wonder and interest in the whole world you know you can see little kids they can stare at a caterpillar for half an hour and you're like oh my god please. No, but they are fascinated by the world the world interests them children have this connection and we have to encourage that and she says in her study right Fascinating. Children who grow up in homes where spirituality is part of the atmosphere at home are less likely to succumb to depression, substance abuse, aggression, high-risk behaviors, including physical risk-taking, and sexuality devoid of emotional intimacy. Spirituality plays a part in a child's resilience, physical and mental health, and healing. Very, very interesting study. Now, this has nothing to do with religion. She just says, what happens when you take religion or spiritual component out of a child's upbringing, right? You have, right, this problem, right? What does she say? You rid- ridicule faith, right? And you starve him of some important elements of emotional and psychological well being. So here we have this, you know, on this thing, we have to teach our children, we have to encourage the spiritual component in them. And that is one of the things that we want to do. When we teach our children. And interestingly enough, right, education in Judaism takes the form of questions, right? The Seder is full of questions. We start with Manishtana. You're training the child to ask. And I, when I was studying education many, many years ago, my professor told us, if you have good questions, you will have a good lesson. And it was very interesting because, you know, I was very young and it was a, a concept that I didn't like, you know, understand fully. But now as a, as a teacher and sometimes as a student myself, I see that if the teacher will give you a question, you're going to be thinking, how, how does that resolve itself? Like, how, what am I doing here? And that's why I asked you. What are we doing at the Seder? What is the point of the whole exercise? If we're thinking in those lines, then we have to come up with an answer. And that's how Jewish education always is. If you look at the Mishnah, if you look at the Gemara, they're always arguing with each other. If you go into a base medrash with a bunch of guys in Chavushas, they're screaming and yelling at each other. This is like a process of asking. If you sit in the classroom where the teacher tells you everything and you're supposed to give it back without asking, it's very problematic. Children do not respond well to this sort of, you know, take what I say and and, and forget it. It's not it's not a good situation. And Rabbi Sack says something very beautiful. He says, when we're talking about the Shema, right? If you think about the words of the Shema, right? right? You have to love Hashem, right? And then by you and right. We have to put these things on our hearts, right? And then, the v'shinantem Luban. So he makes the point, Rabbi Sachs, he makes the point that we first have to love what we're learning in order to give it over. And this is a very critical part of our Seder uh, narrative. In other words, we want to give over to the children, I told you, what do we want to give over at the Seder to the participants of the Seder, grownups or children? We want to give them over the greatness of the story, the greatness of our past, right? The importance of its Mitzrayim, the great things that with we want to give this over as a story. And if we do love that story, if we're excited and passionate about it, then we're going to have children who are also excited about it. It's very interesting because um, tonight is actually the North of my husband's grandfather, Yaakov Kamanetsky. And one, I'll quote one of the things that he says I don't have the book in front of me, but when we have this um, principle that, shall right? the conversation of the uh, servants of our forefathers is greater than the Torah of the children. And the example they always give is the story of Eliezer and Rifka. right? So Eliezer, it always says, Evan Abraham, Evan, Abraham, the whole Parsha, if you notice, his name is a But he comes to the well and he talks to Hashem, and Hashem gives him the answer and Rifka comes along and does exactly what it says and it's amazing, right? And then he comes to Lavan, right? and Okay, Sewell was there at first, but then he seems to have disappeared. And he says, this is the story. The story was that I came to the well and I said this, and then it happened, and, and God did this, and she came and did exactly what I said, and look how this happened. And Rav Yaakov says, when you tell a story with this excitement, even a lovin has to say, may Hashem Ya A lovin says, may Hashem Ya Even a lovin can recognize a good story. So what we're doing in the Seder is telling a good story, and it has to be a good story. And if you think about when you've told a story, if you think about telling a story to anybody you know, if it's a story that excites you, you will tell it over with enthusiasm. We had the other night, two nights ago, was my father-in-law's year It's a and Aliyah, Yisrael ben Moshe, Yaakov ben and for Lema to Rabbi like while we are at it, Shirev and Yantabela. But when we had this, we had a Zoom meeting with my children and we talked about my father-in-law and all the kids had stories about my father-in-law. They remember him so fondly. And everyone's very excited about the story. Remember when he did this, I remember when he said that. And those things create in the minds of the listeners a connection a an affection for this narrative if the narrative is exciting so people will be engaged right so we start off with manishtana we the, so much of the Seder is child centered right the children say it and then you have this story with the four sons every hagada has different pictures of the four sons actually fascinating if you look at hagad's pictures of the four sons every 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 century, and you have all these questions or what are they doing there? And they're, you know, they're, we presenting the secret and Saves We have this story about the rabbis who kept on going all night long. Why did they keep on going all night long? Because they were interested. They were telling the stories. Rabbis, it's morning already. It's time for shoppers. really? Time flies when you're having fun. And that's really a key. We want to make it fun. As some people use props. You know, we once had a Seda with neighbors. <laughs> Every Maka, he came out with like plastic, like little apples, and you remember, it was hilarious. You know, my husband gets up, you know, when we're leaving Egypt and we all put the matzah on our shoulders and we march around, right? right? We're leaving Mitzrayim, you know. It's actually hilarious. We just actually march around the house, holding our packs. What what does that mean? You have to see, like, we didn't go out of Egypt, but we have to pretend we did because we have to give it over with enthusiasm, with excitement. Look what happened, we were slaves, and we took all our matzah, and we ran, and we went, and we crossed, we ran home. People do fun things for the Seder, you have to plan that ahead of time. But even if you have no props at all, the story itself is engaging. The children have to be part of it. The whole stealing of the Afikoman thing is to keep them interested, okay? When do we get to that part? When do we get to this part? If you're sitting there, you know, We had to have a Seder <coughs> with my grandparents. Five years, we had Seder with them when he came to Israel. And uh, my grandfather liked things to end early. So my husband would get like excited and start telling over Torah. And my grandfather would say Yitzchak, I want to get to the Kneidlach." Seder was over at 10 PM, 10 PM and it was like I was the first time I had one seder. I mean, we could not do a repeat the next night when we're not tired. It was done, all that. and it's done. But listen, my grandfather only had boiled eggs, harbiyantiv. He was hungry. I get it. Don't forget the the meat harbiyantiv. Don't forget that it's a crucial part of the situation. In any event, in any event, this this point is that we want to make it special for them. We want them to get excited about it. We want them to uh, be part of it. And this is a vehicle, and that's why it's so central to Judaism. This is a vehicle for giving over our history, for telling them, why did we go, why did we become slaves? What was the kind doing there, right? And you go, the whole narrative, if you understand the flow of the narrative, we're saying, right, our forefathers were idol worshipers and a Kurdish who pulled Avraham out of that, took him to another country, and then he took Yitzhak, he took Yishmael away from Yitzchak, and he took Asim away from Yaakov, and then he stuck us all in Egypt to be slaves, and it was part of the whole thing. And, you know, there's a beautiful thing, I really don't have time to go into this whole discussion, but there is a... Um, a couple of commentaries, okay. First of all, Rabbi Gil Epstein, and he says, right, why did we have all this, right? And he gives an interesting Marshall. He says, if Ruvain throws Shimon in jail, like, you know, we use Ruvain and Shimon like, you know, examples. If Ruvain throws Shimon in jail and then he takes him out, right? Is Shimon supposed to say thank you for taking me out? No, Shimon is supposed to, he's gonna say, me I don't want your honey, and I don't want your sting. Don't throw me in jail and don't throw me you didn't do me tovah take me out of jail. So God says to Aru, your children will be saved, but I'm gonna take them out. So uh you know, And I just leave at that, that whole thing out. And but that's Baruch bur Epsilon towards Mima, but uh um, you right? He says here. The of kabbalah goes in a very, very similar direction. And he says, every person is going to say, any intelligent person is going to say, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to be in jail. I don't want to be a slave. I'm not interested in that. And then, but Hashem but says, So you tell me, like the story of, with, 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 throw him in the jail. And tell him, I'm going to take you out and give you a lot of money. I, I don't want to go to jail. I don't want your money. Just leave me alone. Let me live my life. So the Kitab of Kabbalah goes through a whole discussion of this, really too long for us right now. But he basically says, no thinking person could think that the point of our slavery and exodus from slavery is so that afterwards we should have a lot of money. And in fact, grammatically, he proves this by saying, it says rechush gadol. But really, rechush is property. Rechush should be rechush ra, which argues quantity, a lot of rechush. But rechush gadol, gadol is quality, a really important rechush. Afterwards, you're going to get the Torah. You're gonna get Eretz Yisrael. You're gonna get Shabbos. That's for Do. And if you don't go through the whole abdus and you don't get purified in the furnace in the kiln, right? If you don't get the impurities taken out, if you don't learn from slavery how to treat other people right, if you don't learn from that experience what what's messed up about pagans and idolatry. If you you learn from all these things, and then you can come out purified and refined and ready to get the rechush gadol, ready to get the Torah, and so the whole experience, that whole narrative, we want to give that over to the people at our seder. We want to show them how Hashem who did all these miracles, stunned the whole world with His power. This is one of the most, you know, basic narratives of all time and we want to give that over we want them to feel it and, and enjoy it and one other thing else they will come running out of time and that is if you're sitting there at the seder too tired from scrubbing you know the corners of your closets with your toothbrush right if you're too tired because you were You know, looking through every book for a crumb that might have been left there, right? Don't, just don't put books on the tables. And we don't, I never let anybody eat over books, period, whole year. If you're exhausted yourself with an Irish kite, you're you're going to lose, I'm not saying, cleaning for Pesach is serious, not an Irish kite, but you can make it an Irish kite. You can make it crazy stuff by, you know, washing your curtains and and, and sorting your clothes, it's not important. Get rid of the chametz, get to the point, get to the seder ready to get excited about it, to give it over with enthusiasm, with animation. It's a tremendous story, right? We're not going to hopefully stay up all night with it, but the idea is that it should be that engaging. And in fact, in the Torah on Parshish there's a very strange statement there. God says, I'm giving you all these punishments and all these terrible things. Why? Tachas <laughs> HaShelo HaVaretz HaShem B'Simcha lay me mirov kol Because you didn't serve God with Simcha. This is the complaint? We didn't serve God What if we serve God and we weren't No, you have to serve God with Simcha. Right? Can you imagine? Here's poor right? He gives us this miracle bread from heaven. And it tastes like whatever you want. And every day, it's a miraculous call. 40 years of miracle bread. Man. And one day the Jews were going out and said, Sick and tired of your man God. What have you done for me lately? You wouldn't get mad if you did something special for your child, right? You redecorated their room. You took them on a trip. You bought them a, you know, a great new outfit. And then they sit and they sulk the whole day, and they want something else, and they're mad about what you didn't do this, you didn't do that, and they're mad. You say like, "What did I do that for?" You for, right? You know, in the cheder, emiraglim. What does God say? You're crying for nothing. I'll give you something to cry about, right? That's what most parents would feel. So, Kaddish Baruch was saying, "I'm giving you this world. It's a present. We start off the day with brachot." We thank God that we open our eyes. We thank God that we have clothing to it. We thank God because that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be looking at all this good that we have and not sitting and fetching about things that we don't have. We have to look at all these wonderful things saying, thank you, God. And God, like a good parent, will say, you're welcome. I'll give you some more because you're such a good kid. right?" But we sometimes we come to this. Oh, so much drudgery, so much work, who needs the stupid Seder already, and this whole thing, then we don't want to do that. We don't want to go there. We want to have, minimize the work, make it as easy on yourselves as you can, do the fun stuff before Pesach, do the shopping, right? Sometimes people are lucky and they can go to their daughters for Pesach. I mean, you can really do it easy, but... I made many, many Pesachs, so I, I, I paid my dues. But get to the holiday ready, ready. Take your kids for Holomoe. make it special, make it memories. I still remember those crazy, you know, breakfast that we had. I remember the smell of the, we had such a fun time on Pesach. We had such good memories. We had, you know, we giggled all the Seder night from the wine. Right? We just—it was wonderful. And you want to give that to the people, just saying. You want to give them the joy and the happiness and fun, You know, concentrate, focus on giving over the joy, giving over the simcha, giving over the narrative, making sure that they—they they get that's the uh, right. That—that's the goal. The goal is to get that story, right? So they will always be in their minds, right? And. Um, I think that I basically okay. We're doing well. Okay, I just read to you. Um, you know, I, I just I really love Rabbi Sachs, right? He says <laughs> he tells a funny story about a an Englishman who goes for the first time to a synagogue, and he happens and he comes out. He writes this whole thing, a diary, Samuel Pepys. And he watches everybody, and he comes back and says, they're crazy over there, all this disorder, laughing, sporting, confusion, right? Do they know that, are I seeing all this? Like, I can never imagine that any religion, in the whole world would perform like that. And he writes, poor is No one told him that the day he chose coming to, to come to the synagogue was the Torah. <laughs> right?" And he talks about like, you know, we, we were so, Full of that joy. That joy is something that is so much part of our religious faith. And he quotes, right, um, Tehillim Lamid, right? <coughs> At night you can be sad, but in the morning be happy. You took my morning away and you made me dance. And that's really some of the things that like WML sometimes in his most depressed Tehillim will end on a like, yeah, I cut you're going to save me and it's going to be good. And he writes here, really, um, It is as if God said to us, I made all this for you. This is my gift. Enjoy it and help others to enjoy it also. Wherever you can, heal some of the pain that people inflict on one another, right? Because pain, sadness, fear, anger, envy, resentment are things that cloud your vision and separate you from others and from me, right? Every day we are here with a world to live in, family and friends to love and be loved be loved by, about to start a day full of possibilities by which, which by acts of loving kindness, We allow God's presence to flow through us into the lives of others. Joy helps heal some of the wounds of our injured, troubled world. I just said I have to read it to you because it's such a way with words. So that's the idea. Focus on the end. The end result is you want to get there happy. You want to give over a happy narrative. You want it to be pleasant and comfortable and see what you can do with your preparations to make sure you get to that goal.